Welcome to the 73rd episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with today's guest, who is a pioneer in the future of diabetes care, Dr. Topher Fox. Happy Diabetes Awareness Month, everyone. If you are new to the show, my name is Amber Kluwer, and I'm the co-founder of the Diabetes Daily Grind and host of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I've been living with type 1 diabetes for 36 years and enjoy sharing my story and those of others who are living their best life. This episode rolls out during National Diabetes Awareness Month, and I've decided this year to focus on the positive things in my life and share post and podcast guests who are making a difference. It's so easy for us in this time of year to kind of go down that tunnel of doom and gloom because we're looking at all the numbers and seeing the number of shots we've given, the number of finger pricks, and you know, sometimes that can be, you know, bring you down. So I think today's guest is a perfect example of a good guy, the doctor everyone living with diabetes wishes they had and deserve. Dr. Fox is a board-certified endocrinologist who has a passion for combining endocrine science, psychology, personal development, and encouragement in new and creative ways to help people make meaningful, lasting changes in their health and vitality. When he is not working with his clients, he loves to spend time outside riding his bike, running, or hiking, or just spending time with his family. Before we get started, I want to share a few quick announcements. Number one, this episode was brought to you by Dr. Topher Fox and NPIN, the only FDA-approved smart insulin pen and app system. Five years ago, Companion Medical identified a hugely unmet need after discovering that only 7% of insulin users tapped into pump therapy. That's still shocking to me, I, I, really, because every picture I see, somebody's got a pump on. Their integrated diabetes management ecosystem includes a smart insulin pen that automatically sends your dose to an app on your smartphone, tracking insulin on board, and providing a dose calculator, which can help avoid stacking while calculating more accurate doses. Winning! The InPen is hassle-free with a clean design, no recharging, no downloading. Everything is done automatically, making life with diabetes and multiple daily injections a lot easier. As someone who has never tapped into insulin pump therapy, I'm ecstatic to discover InPen. It will be the next tool in my diabetes management tool belt, allowing me to give multiple daily injections with confidence. If you would like to learn more about InPen and Dr. Fox's practice, please check out the show notes. I'll have links in there for everything. Number two. Mark Carter, fellow T1D, real-life diabetes consultant, and past podcast guest is my co-host today. His years of diabetes sales experience adds a valuable perspective to diabetes management and patient relations. Really the basis of why we created the consulting team, to bridge the gap. Number three, I am out of hacks. I need my diet peeps to step up and get creative. I know you've got some hacks in there or confessions. My goodness, we all know we've done something crazy. I learned so much from other people walking the T1D walk. So if you have something you'd like to share, don't forget it's completely anonymous. Your endo's not going to be calling you out in your next visit. So feel free to send me a speak pipe message on the Diabetes Daily Grind website or a quick voice memo to amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. Number four, Patreon platform. You know what I'm talking about, people. You, your company, your neighbor, or whomever can sign up to help keep the episodes coming. It is as little as $5 per month. And let's be honest, that's probably cheaper than your last parking ticket. Sign up, people. Number five, please continue to love, like, and share. 
shoot me a comment, shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. It's easy to find me. And you can also stay informed by signing up for the monthly newsletter. That again is done on the website, diabetesdailygrind.com. I think that wraps up this episode announcements. So let's get started. Am I coming through okay? Can you guys hear me? Yes. Happy Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. We're recording this on November 1st, which kicks off National Diabetes Awareness Month. Awesome. Yeah, and if you're on social Yay. media, it's all over the place, which, great. Let's bring some attention to it. It's awesome. <laughs> Just so the listeners know, because this is another one of those unique scenarios, Mark is one of our past guests, and he's been on the episode, I think, twice. Mark, you want to share a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Yeah, you know, i am a uh, been a type 1 for, lived it about 23 years now. Um, since the last time I was on the podcast, I was in uh, the medical device world, but now I'm in the banking world, so I'm in a different industry. So I live in Northwest Arkansas, and I have a wife and two kids. It's very thankful just to be able to be on the podcast again. It's been great. Well, I'm glad. Thank you, Mark, for co-hosting. And where are you calling in from? I'm actually on the road calling, uh, coming from Hot Springs, Arkansas, back to Save Arkansas. Well, so I think this may be our first podcast recording with somebody in a vehicle, so please be careful. <laughs> yes. yeah, don't crash your car, man. <laughs> no, right? That would be yeah, tragic. Okay, and so Dr. Fox, where are you currently? Hey, so I am in Superior, Colorado. It's a little mining town right outside of Boulder, Colorado, so probably two-thirds of the way from Denver to Boulder, where we have had a blast of winter yeah. last week. Uh, we've got about six inches of snow on the ground, and we had about five days where it did not get above freezing. Oh, wow. So we're back into the 40s today, and it feels like we're in Hawaii comparatively. <laughs> right. Yeah, yesterday the, the sun was deceiving. It was like 32 degrees, 34 degrees, but the sun was out, and I went outside, and I was like, well, it is not as warm as you think it is. Welcome winter. Welcome winter. <laughs> so I want to start by just saying that one of the reasons that this is, a, a, I think, a first, again, for the podcast is that Dr. Fox had contacted me via a video, and I may include it if, if we think it's right, but um, just talking about some of the past episodes and some of the topics, and he was kind to talk about my compassion for people with type 2, and in learning more about him, I found that many of the people that I have on the podcast, he shares a similar passion to help all people living with diabetes. And you've kind of taken a different, a more a non-traditional route, would you say? Yeah, so would you, would you like a little of the backstory? Yes. A little of the backstory for that. So I, I'm an endocrinologist. I have been in training, well, I trained for about seven years, and then I've been in private practice in Colorado for, gosh, over 16 years now. It's kind of crazy to think about. But <laughs> over 16 years, and so I, I've, I've worked with hundreds or, you know, probably thousands of people with diabetes during that time. But I had this moment, and I was thinking about it earlier today. It was back in 2017, I would say, where I was having 
the same conversation multiple times in a row with my, my patients in, in clinic. And it was essentially that people were, you know, with type 2 diabetes were very motivated to make changes. They wanted to be able to live healthy and they wanted to be able to, uh, in particular, make changes to their lifestyle, right? Eat better, exercise more, get better sleep, lose weight. And they just weren't making progress. Mm-hmm. And I started to, you know, really just think or wonder what, you know, what are we accomplishing here and why, why is it not helping people more? I really started to look more, you know, kind of both inward at myself and my own life and, you know, realizing that all of us have these, these struggles where we kind of have this idea of what we, we know we should do, but we have a hard time consistently doing that. And if you want, I can go in a little bit more into some thoughts behind that. But I just felt like, gosh, we have to do something. We have to do something different. What we're doing right now is not working. And, you know, along this time, I think that the healthcare system has changed in a lot of ways, even in just those 16 years that I've been in practice, where through, uh, you know, time pressures and regulations and things that have to do with insurance companies, we just have a much harder time, I think, actually relating to people and spending time with people in a way that is meaningful and provides impact. And so this is one of the reasons that I really love uh, kind of coming across your uh, your podcast and being able to link up with you and have a conversation with you and then also to have a conversation with Mark. It's really opened my eyes to well, two things, how much pain is in the in the diabetes community in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and also how much potential is there for people to be able to come together and support each other you know, help each other make progress in a way that actually produces meaningful results. Well, I want to go back just a little bit because like I said, I'm very glad that you and Mark connected because you're two totally different perspectives, you know, coming from being a patient and also being in the sales. You know, Mark, what exactly did you say or Dr. Fox, please chime in that made you think about things a little bit differently? Yeah, so I've spent roughly around seven to eight years of my career in the past of pharmaceutical sales, and I worked for two big insulin pump companies. I've covered all of Oklahoma, Wichita, Kansas, Joplin, Missouri, Springfield, Missouri, Northwest Arkansas. I called on general practice physicians and also called on endocrinologists. And when I came across Dr. Fox, and I'll be honest with you, I was blown away by his compassion and humility was one of the, the first, you know, endocrinologists that I was able to speak to and talk to that actually really understood the heart of the patient and really wanted to do something about it holistically. Because one of, one of the things that I found when I would call on physicians in these clinics, these endo clinics, was that these endocrinologists were, were set by 12 to 15 minutes. They had their times that they would be able to meet with the patient, but something was different when I met um, and I was able to speak to Dr. Fox just about what he was wanting to do, that he really, truly wanted to take care of the, what I, what I call, I've kind of termed it my own language, the head, the heart, and the hand. Dr. Fox was about truly looking at the holistic of the patient to really help them 
be able to really understand their diabetes and do something about it on a daily life. So he blew my mind away when we were talking on the phone and was able to look at his system and what he was able to do with his education. It was it was mind boggling on what Dr. Fox has done. I was very, very much appreciative. And I think it's something that I've, I've never seen yet on any endocrinologist personally when I called out in the field. So it was a breath of fresh air for me as a patient who lives with diabetes, but also knowing with the type one and type two patients that there is a physician out there who has a system in place that wants to walk, this is the difference, with the patient, have empathy and walk with that person and help them holistically. So this was awesome. Well, in and, and reading some, you know, I, and I'll have all the links to everything that Dr. Fox is associated with, but, you know, one of the things is, one of the items that I came across in doing my notes for this is you had to change your model. Let's talk a little bit, Dr. Fox, about what exactly does that mean? Yeah, great. So, first of all, let me just say thank you uh, to Mark, and I have to tell you that uh, chatting with, with Mark, I mean, those were very, very kind words, and so I'm very appreciative uh, chatting with Mark really opened my eyes as well. And one of the things that really that really struck me that that Mark put a good face on, and, and you as well, Amber, but but Mark especially, was this idea that people in the diabetes community almost start to view the endocrinologist as, you know, I don't know if the enemy is the too strong a term, but but somebody who's not helpful. And you know, that, that really breaks my heart. And I think it speaks to the system that most physicians are in. Because I don't think, obviously, I, I went to medical school. I trained with lots and lots of different people. And I know their hearts. And I don't believe, you know, truly that anybody goes into medicine without a caring heart and wanting to be able to help people. But there are so many things about the system that make it hard to do that. And so well, to answer can your... I, oh, can I chime in oh. just one thing there? Because I, I have to say, because I was reading a bunch today, growing up with this disease, being a child, you know, you feared. It wasn't that you were the enemy necessarily, but whatever came out of your mouth was going to be gospel, essentially. And right. if the number didn't match what the efforts, you know, it was, it was almost like you were being judged. And even though you might have been doing your best no matter what, you were based on a number. And I, I think that's sad. And I'm hoping that with this conversation, we will help change the language so that a patient feels like they can ask for help and you can provide them with um, a pat on the back every once in a while. So let, let me, I'm taking us on a tangent, if that's okay, Amber. <laughs> yeah. Because I actually have something that was recently came to mind regarding this, which is when you think about living with diabetes, I was thinking about three ways that you could kind of assess where you are. And definitely that that idea that I feel judged, right? Judgment is a huge emotion, a huge negative emotion Mm -hmm. that exists in the diabetes community. I think overwhelm is a huge negative emotion that exists. Gosh, there's just so much stuff. I don't even know where to get started. I'm not sure that I have what it takes right, to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's three ways that I was thinking about that people should think about kind of assessing where you are. And so one of them is, is really what you look like on paper. And this is what your blood sugar is, what your A1C is, what your blood pressure is, your cholesterol. This is where I think the breakdown happens or part of the breakdown happens is that's the world where the physician tends to live is they can look and see your A1C is too high, your cholesterol is off, or your blood pressure is off. And I know that we have science that says if we do this or this or this, then 
your risk of complications is going to to go down. Right. You know, from our conversation already today, I think that many times the healthcare provider stays in that box. But there there's two other boxes that I think are worth thinking about. And this is this is a fairly new idea for me. So you guys may be able to flush it out a little bit. But one would be how you feel in your body. Yeah. Are you comfortable? Can you move easily? Can you get down on the floor and play with your kids? Can you, you know, get up and do you have energy during the day? Can you move without pain? The other one is how you feel in your head, right? Are you, are you in a good place? Do you feel like you have purpose, that you're motivated, that you're optimistic? Or do you feel like you're a failure and you're being judged? You just don't have what it takes or you know, you're not equipped to be able to essentially live the, the diabetic life, to live that successfully, right? To have a joyful life, even though you're living with this, with this condition, with this diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so now I've lost track, Amber. You asked a question before, but I, <laughs> I got excited about that. So, oh, so I think you asked, what, what, kind of what are we doing differently? Yeah. You so, had to change your model. And so what exactly does that look like? Yeah, so there's two parts to that. So I was in a, a traditional endocrinology practice. We had five providers, so four four docs and a nurse practitioner. And honestly, we were a private practice, and our from the business side, our practice was struggling financially for a few years. And ultimately, some of my partners made some decisions to uh, do things differently. And so ultimately, we ended up closing that practice in December. Three of the physicians, actually four of the physicians, uh, ended up going to work for the hospital or other large medical groups. Yeah. And I had worked for the hospital about 10 years ago, and I had left because I wasn't really happy with the process because it's this process that Mark talked about, which is you have to see so many people in order to you know really keep the doors open and pay yeah. those that you end up with 10 minutes or 12 minutes or seven minutes or whatever it is with each person. And that's just a really short time to actually be in relationship with people and to troubleshoot and get to the bottom of problems and try to, to make progress. And so uh, my nurse practitioner, Sarah Sato, who just interestingly is also a type one diabetic, and I decided that we, we couldn't go that direction. We needed to do something different. And so we still have a, a brick and mortar practice. So we opened a new practice. It's called the Alpine Center, where the official name is the Alpine Center for Diabetes, Endocrinology, and Metabolism. Mm-hmm. But we opened the Alpine Center in January and just said, you know, we really need to bring the focus back on people. And in particular, I think the healthcare system has lost the focus on, you know, the patient, or we, we like to call them the client now because people come choose to be with us and we want it to be a partnership rather than more of an authoritarian relationship like that doctor-patient thing that you were talking about, Amber. Right. So we wanted to bring the focus back to our clients and say it's important that, that we get results that are meaningful to you. And to do that, one, we need time. So we need time to be able to, to get to know you and know what your values are and your preferences are. I was thinking about a gentleman that uh, came to our, our practice. Uh, I'll call him Cody, who's he had just watched his mother die of complications of type 2 diabetes. And when she passed away, she was on more than 20 medications. Wow. And Cody was just desperately afraid that he was on this same path. And unfortunately, he got diagnosed with type 2 and you know, his blood sugars were in the 300s and his A1C was in the 12s. And he worked with us for a time 
And in particular, when he sat down, so he, he worked primarily with Sarah, but when he sat down with her, she was able to learn about this, this process with his mom and that he was really, really afraid of going down the same path. And in particular, he was definitely afraid of being on medicines. Yeah. And after chatting with him for a while, she negotiated with him to try going on by durian. So for those that are familiar, it's a type of medicine called the GLP-1 receptor agonist. But interestingly, it's a once a week injection. So for Cody, it didn't really feel like taking medicine to do this injection once per week. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't that much of a burden or it wasn't very intrusive in his life. And with just that one intervention, plus he was super motivated to improve his metabolism, right, to live a healthier lifestyle. He was able to bring his A1C from, you know, the 12s down to the 6s and his blood sugars down into the 100s. Wow. Uh, and that really, that really stuck. But, you know, that building that relationship and learning that whole story, I don't think it would have ever happened in my, in my previous practice. Do you think that's because she listened to what, I mean, obviously she listened to what his fears were, but would you say too that she thought outside of the box when it came to the medication, instead of putting him on the traditional, I'm not going to say the name of it, but what most people with type 2 are put on initially? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, there's, a, there's obviously a lot of different ways that people can be treated with medication in type 2 right now. So there's, depending on how we count classes, you know, there's 11 or 12 different types of medicine. That it is 11, which is, yeah. Which is, just a, which is just amazing. And, you know, these all have different benefits and different side effects. And so you can put them together in ways that are strategic, right? You can build them in ways that help you lose weight or in ways that help you minimize cost or in ways that help you avoid injections. Right? There's different ways to do things, ways that protect your heart. And so I think it, I think it was really just the idea that, uh, yes, I mean, she listened. So going back to what, what we do, part of our, our process is just that we have more time. Yeah. Right? We, we spend time with people and we really do want to focus. You know, I like to think of myself as really as a guide, right? I don't want to tell you what to do. I want you to know what the options are. And I'll tell you, gosh, if I know your circumstance, I want to tell you what I think is best for you. Uh, or, you know, here are the top two options or whatever that is. But ultimately, right, diabetes is a self-managed condition. And that is so important. You know, it's, it's you, the person with diabetes, who are making all the decisions day in and day out. And so it's so critical that you are doing something that, right, that feels right for yourself. And sometimes I think in the traditional healthcare system, that brings up conflict, right? You feel like you're judged by the doctor. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, more and more doctors are being judged by things like what are the A1Cs of, right. your, of your patients or what's the blood pressure, which, you know, brings up some interesting conflicts. So anyway, in our, in our brick and mortar practice, we, you know, we, we try to spend time with people and we really try to work in that kind of in that value framework, in that preference framework. And so I think for Sarah, I have to tell you, I mean, she's she's a way outside the box thinker, and I think part of that comes from having diabetes. Yeah. So when I listen to you guys on the podcast, I mean, you guys all have these like tips and tricks and little things just that you learn, and this is part of where that diabetes online community is so exciting. Is that you can right? We want to share those things. Right. Like, hey, what do you what do you do when when this happens or? Uh, you know, I, I still don't have a great explanation for this guy, but this guy was in last week who's a hockey player. And whenever he plays hockey, I mean, his blood sugar, Amber, it spikes from like 100. He's a type 1, actually. But his blood sugar spikes from 100 up into the 300s just when he starts playing hockey. I bet it's adrenaline. Yeah. So I've seen this with a lot of folks. And for most people, 
we just tell them, leave it alone, and it comes down in 20 minutes. Right. So we see this with like weightlifting or any kind of intense activity uh, because, you know, you end up taking a unit or two units, and then in 40 yeah. minutes, you're like 40. Yeah. Um, but for him, he doesn't have that crash. He stays up there. Hmm. Uh, so he ends up having to take a unit or two units when he plays hockey, and if he does that, it works fine. But, but he doesn't have that crash. So anyway, that, I'm taking us down a rabbit trail. Well, let, me, let me ask you something about that too when it comes to, I believe, in empowering the patient. And I've said this on previous episodes that when I have always been compliant and when a doctor told me to do something, I did exactly what was asked of me. And I never really, and I'm a pretty free-thinking, creative person, but you know, I learned more in the past three, four years interviewing people and their diabetes management. And the reason I say that is because do you empower the patient and give them the freedom that let's just say you can adjust your Lantus, you you can adjust these things. Here are the recommendations I'm going to give you. But at the end of the day, you kind of need to track it yourself, manage your own disease like you were saying earlier. I would 100% you know, agree with that. And it goes back to that idea of diabetes being self-managed. So I think the people that are the most successful are people who adopt this experimental mindset that I have to learn how my body works and I have to learn what works for me. Because I do think it's, I think there's a lot of variability and a lot of variety that's, that's out there. And, you know, even just your last podcast, I think, Amber, with Dr. Jody, she was talking essentially about figuring out carbohydrate counting on her yeah. own. And I think people are creative. They're natural problem solvers. And so not to harness that energy is, I think, is really a tragedy, right? Right. Well, and I have to out Mark really quick. <laughs> <laughs> so when we all are trying to manage our own diabetes, Mark is the person that goes and gets the same... Uh, what is it, a pumpkin spice latte or something? <laughs> yes, I love my nitro cold brew pumpkin latte. No <laughs> simple sugar syrup, but with seven to eight equals okay, every time. Let me say this because we were on a, another phone call a couple of months ago. And he, everybody was outing themselves at that. And Mark's like, yeah, I mean, I just, my blood sugar's all over the place. And I mean, it's just funny because you could try to adjust it and things are still not going to work out. So, Mark, have you figured out how to drink that drink and not have your blood sugar be 300. Well, I I have, but see, this is what's so crazy about it. What changed about the drink is that I've been ordering it so long and I would get like, Hey, I want a pumpkin spice nitro cold brew. And I thought it just had cream. And then I would do like a splash of half and half. It started working out on the, on the amount of insulin I would give on the amount of carbs, whatever. But what really affected it was I didn't know that they did a couple I'd say pumps of like vanilla and different types of sugar in there. And so once again, sometimes you think you know what they put in it, but they, but you really don't. So now I have been able to, where it doesn't shoot up as much because it was those, the simple syrups you know, that, that they were putting into it that was affecting it. Well, I'm glad you've, you've mastered that. I'm, I'm happy to yeah. enjoy that still every day. <laughs> but, but, but this is, this is the crazy part about it is you might go to a different Starbucks. Every person works a different in how they make your drink. So you're always trying to pivot and figure out, you know, what you're doing. So, yes. That's why I drink hot tea. Their own. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> well, so moving kind of into a little bit more Dr. Fox and lifestyle treatment. You know, uh, one of the things that you had said is diabetes can be overwhelming. You don't have to know everything right now. You can grow in time. When you talk to your patient about that, what are some of the steps or the guidance that you give? Yeah, so this is really interesting. So we were talking about, you know, this brick and mortar practice. And 
I have, over the last couple of years, had a couple of, you know, other thoughts or ideas that I've wanted to try and wanted to experiment with. And so that has brought me to today where for those folks who have type 2 diabetes, we, we actually have a, a product or a service. It's an online service called Learn Diabetes Mastery. Mm-hmm. And the idea, this, this all goes back to those that day in 2017 that I told you about where, you know, I might see somebody every three months and somebody can have the best intention to go out and make changes. But then like it happens with all of us, right? Life happens. And so maybe they get shifted from day shift to night shift, or maybe their mom gets sick and now they're doing traveling or, you know, some other disruption happens and they get distracted from, gosh, I had this intention to do these healthy things and I just haven't been able to attend to that and make progress. And so I thought, gosh, there, there has to be a different a different way. And so we've come to the point where we've created this uh, really community. This It's a, it's a service or a, a product, but it's really intended to be a community where we try to give people the right information at the right time. So of course, there's, there's skills and education that you need, how to test your blood sugar, what to do when it's low or high, where to inject if you're injecting medicines, uh, right? There's lots of skills. We want to be able to equip people to learn more about medicine so that they can at least have a talk with their provider. You know, hey, I'm on this medicine glipizide, which makes me gain weight. And I heard about these other medicines that might help support my weight loss. Can we talk about this? But uh, so we, we want to be able to provide people information and education, uh, but really at the time when they need it, right? So not necessarily during the visit, but oh, shoot, I I forgot about this thing. I can't remember about carbohydrate counting. Let me go back and and learn a little bit more about this right now. We also try to bring people together for for live coaching where people can ask questions. And so right now that's done. I don't know if it'll stay this way. This is a grand experiment, but it's done through Facebook Lives right now. And we try to bring people together into community uh, for all the reasons that we've been talking about. I think surrounding yourself with people who kind of have your back, right? The diabetes online community is the phrase that I've heard you use, Amber. The people who have your back, they want you to be successful. They want to support you. They want to be there with you when you're struggling. Maybe offer advice or maybe just a shoulder, uh, you know, that you can kind of put your head on, uh, so to speak, virtually. Uh, You know, Amber, I keep doing this. I was chatting. So (laughs) I wanted to come back to to something because I think this was really important. In, In that transition, oh gosh, we need to do things we need to do things differently. In the traditional medicine world, I think a lot of times the provider comes from this place of, I have to be the authority. I have to be the expert. Maybe there's even a fear there that like, I don't want my client to, to realize that I don't know everything. Right. So, so providers want to, they want to provide answers. And I think what people really, what re- people really hunger for is actually solutions. Right. I don't necessarily want to know when my blood sugar goes up to 300 before I play hockey or, you know, I don't really care uh, why my blood sugar spikes after this pumpkin spice nitro cold brew. I just want to know. So what do I do? How do I how do I keep this from happening? So I, I have this idea that, you know, really what we should be focusing on is providing solutions, not just answers. Right. And as you were chatting There's a book, which is, I don't know if either of you guys ever read this book by Alan Deutschman. It's called Change or Die. Mm -mm. Is that that familiar? No. It's a worthwhile read. Uh, It's a worthwhile read. And it's not entirely about medicine, but he talks a lot about the healthcare system. Mr. Deutschman talks about really the traditional way that we approach change is through three Fs, which is uh, fear, facts, and force. 
and this is, I think this is where a lot of the medical world, right, the medical establishment lives. And essentially what he does in his book is show that this doesn't work. And he pulls out a lot of the science, you know, people who have heart attacks and really are facing a life-threatening situation, but still are not able to make healthy changes in their lifestyle. And his proposal, rather than fear, facts, and force, is that we need to shift over to three R's, which is to reframe relate and repeat. I love it. Yeah. So we want to kind of reframe what's going on. We want to be in relationship with somebody. You know, you want to be in relationship with your provider. You want to be in relationship with your diabetes community. And then that that key was repeat, right? We need to hear messages again and again to be able to make success. So as we come back to that, you know, how do you make lifestyle changes? I think I like to think that there are these two big headwinds that blow kind of in our faces all the time. And one of those headwinds is cultural, right? If you look at our society in 1950 and compare it to today, we have a ton of things that have made our lives more convenient Mm -hmm. and have connected us electronically and virtually. But there's a lot of things about that that I think have not been good for our metabolisms, right? Our activity levels have dropped. Our food quality has dropped. The portion sizes and number of calories that we eat is increasing. And so as a, as a culture, I hope this language isn't too strong, but as a culture, we're kind of failing at being able to help people be healthy uh, from a cultural standpoint. And the other headwind that gets in our way is our own psychology. Most people, and this is, I, I see this in my own life, it plays out time and time again, which is, you know, we want to make a change and we think, just teach me the best program. Teach me what I need to know. Teach me the knowledge and then I'll just go apply it. Right. The problem with that is it relies on on essentially motivation or willpower. So you end up in this situation every day where essentially you have this choice. Here's this healthy thing that I could choose and here's this unhealthy thing that I could choose. And I'm just going to decide to choose the healthy thing every day, right? But it might be 200 times, 300 times, 500 times that you have that choice in any given day. As far as I can tell, you know, every study that's been done in the history of the world, uh, as far as I know, that has looked at willpower says that we always run out. Most of us, right, if you've ever been trying to to change your diet and you've done great all day and now it's nine o'clock and you're standing in one of two places, you're either in front of the refrigerator or in front of your pantry, right? With the doors wide open and you're looking back there and you're thinking, I know there's something good in here, like let me find it, right? Where are the brownies? Where's the ice cream? Whatever it is, that's willpower fatigue, right? You've essentially run out of willpower for that day. Right. And so we, we can't rely on willpower alone. And this would probably be one of the key take-home messages that I would hope people would take away from today, which is to be successful, you really need to look at much more than just your knowledge, but need to look at essentially a whole system of, you know, what are my beliefs and identity? What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about people? What are my emotions in that moment? What are the habits that I have? What's my physical environment like? What are the people like that I'm spending time with? Do I have an accountability structure in place? And then am am I actually paying attention to looking at what's going well and looking at what's not going well and trying to adapt and adjust as we go along? And so I like to take people through or teach people a whole process that really builds that up to say, yeah, we don't want you to rely on, on willpower or just trying to have to muscle your way to that healthy choice every time. Let's actually build a system that helps you be more consistent in making those healthy choices. Well, and I think one of the reasons I really like this is because when we initially talked, you know, a few months ago is that even though you, I mean, I don't know if I'm using the correct words, but 
your traditional in your how you do things in endocrinology, you prescribe medications and things like that. But you're also the next layer to what managing the disease is really all about and providing them with that, the way that you describe willpower and things like that. I think that the if some doctor were to say that to me, I would maybe regroup and think, what am I thinking in this moment? Why am I making this choice? You know, and hopefully with no guilt or shame. So I feel like you are the traditional practice with a bonus team or a bonus option. That's in addition to having more time with you, the online resources, you have a blog, you have all the video clips that are, you know, some of them short and sweet, but you know, just one in particular. And, and this is, I'm going down another rabbit hole there, but one that I think you were showing someone how to put on one of the devices, maybe it was a Dexcom or an Abbott Freestyle Libre, but unless you have diabetes or even if you have type two and you decide to go to the Abbott Freestyle Libre, you're not going to get time that I know of with a CDE or someone to actually show you how to put on that device, which is why many people go to YouTube and there are great resources out there. I have one that I did with somebody putting my first Dexcom on, but to have a one-stop shop on your website for that stuff, I think is very valuable. Well, that's that's great to hear, Amber. Can I, can I tell you a story? It was the Freestyle Libre. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to partner up with Mark here. So I, I don't have diabetes personally, but I wore the Freestyle Libre for two weeks. So I got to see what my blood sugars yeah. did. And I have to tell you that one of the treats that I like, and it, it breaks every rule about healthy eating that I teach, is the Cinnamon Crunch Panera Bagel. <laughs> Uh, wow. Wow. But I, I, I ate one of those when I had that Libre on and I was amazed to see what it did to my blood sugar. That was by far and away my highest blood sugar for uh, the week. What, did, so, what was it? How high did it get? I, I think I got up into the 150s, which I know that doesn't sound like anything to, to you folks in the diabetes community, but not having diabetes, you know, the rest of the week I was primarily below 130. Uh, wow. So I think that was my only, you know, if you're familiar with the glucose monitors, they show you how fast your blood sugar is changing. Yeah. And that was my only uh, up arrow, like the full up, you know, essentially oh. the, the, the double up arrow uh, on the Dexcom was after that, after that bagel. You know, I got to so, tell you one, doctor, there was another podcast that I happened to listen to and I, I'll put it in the show notes. I can't pronounce his last name, but he wore a Dexcom and he met, I can't think of his name either, but he's the current CEO for Dexcom. And both of them were wearing the G6, I believe at the time and watching their blood sugar spike when they ate simple things like grapes. And they were both in the airport, bought trail mix at different times and talked about watching their blood sugar go up to almost 200. And as two very educated men that are in the industry, one of which is a doctor, he said, I, I made a lifestyle change. I'm no longer going to eat trail mix because I'm still putting my body through a lot. You know, having it shoot up like that and have my body have to pump out tons of insulin to get it back down. So that was fascinating for me to hear from somebody not living with diabetes. So I applaud you for, for jumping on board to see what it's like. <laughs> a fascinating yeah. ex experiment. Yeah. So Amber, going back to something that you just said, sorry, Mark, uh, did you have something? No, I just, the only thing I was just going to add on to that was to say, you know, as a patient living with diabetes, when, when I hear that, that you took two weeks and you put on a device and you actually walk through the steps to live it, I just, I can't thank you enough. I mean, that, that speaks volumes to someone like me because you're, you're trying to put yourself, even though you don't have the disease, is walking in the shoes of the patient. And yeah. I think that type of holistic and doing that, 
I believe you've been very successful in, in doing what you're doing holistically to help people. So I just want to say that, that, that if we could just see, if I would have just seen more endocrinologists in my career, as I would call on them, have that type of humility to do that, I think they would see retention and yeah. patient satisfaction, retention and patience, telling their friends just the fact of like, hey, I have a healthcare provider that's gone above and beyond to relate to me. So kudos to you on that. It was awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Mark. You have such kind words. Uh, you're very good for my, uh, you know, very good encourager, which I appreciate very much. So Amber, you had mentioned, and I wanted to come back to, you know, this idea of kind of building knowledge over time. Right. And I think this is something that that's worthwhile to, to dig a little deeper in if we can, which is, you know, my, my experience with, with many folks who are newly diagnosed with diabetes is that, you know, what happens when you get diagnosed? Well, often, again, fear, facts, and force, right? Your doc tells you all the terrible things that are going to happen if you don't, quote, get your act together and control this condition. And then you're told that you have to change 17 things about your life and it's all supposed to happen right now, right? Start eating differently, take new medicines, test your blood sugar. And it can just be overwhelming. And so some people, you know, kind of dive into that and they go 100 miles an hour and then maybe burn out fairly quickly. And some people just look at the task list in front of them and think, oh my gosh, I, like, I don't even know where to start. And I think I'm just going to ignore this for right now. You know, I think that there is something to say, which is... You don't have to go from where you are to perfect in a day or a week or even a month. Uh, I love this idea and I got it from author James Clear. You know, he writes a book about habits, atomic habits, another worthwhile read if people are interested. But it's this idea that if you make a 1% change every day, at the end of a year, you actually improve. I think that the math will take you to a little over 3,700%. So 37 times, right? It's just, a, it's an amazing thing. But I think if people can just get in this mindset of, you know, hey, what do I have the bandwidth to focus on right now? I know I'm supposed to change my nutrition and I'm supposed to start exercising and I'm supposed to get better sleep and I'm supposed to test my blood sugar. But I, I can't do all that. Like, right. Can you focus? Can you just pick one or two of those things and say, hey, this week, I think I can move the needle on my health if I just focus on having healthy snacks, real food snacks. Right. Or if I just focus on, you know, let me just go for a five minute walk every day this week, right? I can spare five minutes. Let me just go for a five minute walk. And, you know, there's this, there's this adage. So we talk about medications, you know, the healthcare system, you go see your doc, often you end up walking out with a new prescription. And I think people get really frustrated with that. And yes. there is this tremendous idea. And I, I love these concepts, which is that food is medicine and movement is medicine and sleep is medicine, right? Nutrition, movement, sleep. You can do so much to improve where you are by repairing your metabolism. This is particularly for the type two, uh, right? For the type two community for repairing your metabolism. But, you know, all of this takes time. But there's that adage, uh, let's see if I can get it right. What's the best day, or sorry, the best day to plant a tree is 20 years ago. <laughs> the second best day is today. Right. So, I mean, yes, you may have ended up in this place that you don't want to be. You wouldn't have chosen to be. But but right now, today is this opportunity to do something. Right. And it can be something small, but do something to improve your lot, to improve your health, to improve your metabolism. Just one step. And just that that ability to start taking action will build confidence and momentum that tends to build on itself. For, so for the patient, let's just say who was recently diagnosed with type 2 and it's completely overwhelming. And when you sit with them and you say, oh, well, let's just say you give them a list of 10 things that are recommendations, diet, exercise, get your blood pressure down, whatever. How do you determine 
for that patient, what's going to be the first step? What's going to be the most important thing to get them started, but not overwhelmed? I don't know that there's a formula for that necessarily, but... Yeah, so it's interesting because I, I would approach it differently in clinic versus in our, our online program. And part of this is that in clinic, I, I think about the interaction that we have one-on-one is kind of like creating a painting. And so it's very individual and a lot of it depends on how the conversation has gone. So, you know, making a painting, you might say, gosh, maybe I need a little more green over here or let's put a rock in this place or uh, make the sunshine a little bit brighter. In our online program, we it's a, it has to be a little bit more paint by numbers in that situation. So trying to teach somebody how to do this. But I, I do like to think about this process. So you and I may have talked about this. It's this analogy that sometimes when you're diagnosed with diabetes, it's kind of like being dropped into a leaky boat in the middle of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Right. And so th- there's kind of a process of things that you have to do. So ultimately, you want to sail to some awesome destination. But the first thing you have to do is actually plug the leaks, right? Let's get the boat seaworthy. Then you have to figure out where you want to go. Right? You have all these choices for where you could go. What, what's the destination going to be? Then you're going to need to set sail. And as you're sailing, you want to gain speed and be able to track your progress to adjust course. And then ultimately, hopefully, someday you'll get there. And so using that analogy, we think about kind of four steps for, for somebody who has type 2 diabetes. And so the first step uh, we simply call stabilize. That's the plugging the leaks. And so if I was to focus with somebody, I would talk about basic survival skills, which is going to be like, let's make sure that you know how to test your blood sugar. Let's make sure you know if you're on medicine, how these are supposed to work and what you need to watch out for and side effects. If you are at risk for having a low blood sugar, let's make sure that you know how to treat that. Mm-hmm. And, and let's address some very basic nutrition knowledge to, to help get your blood sugars down below, let's say, a threshold of 250. And so 250 is not by any stretch our ultimate target. But for people who are above 250, and we do see folks right, who, are, who come into us with blood sugars in the 300s or 400s, right? when you're above 250, a lot of metabolic changes happen that just make you feel terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, you're urinating all the time. You're hungry all the time. You have no energy. Uh, you might be having uncontrolled weight loss, and it's not the good kind of weight loss. It's the losing muscle and bone kind of weight loss. And so let's take that first step just to stabilize. And then for me, I really love what we would call stage two, uh, which is to take control. And I think this is where people's individual's values and preferences really start to come into play. But take control. Let's let's learn what the options are and let's start to talk about what your bandwidth is, what your uh, limitations are, and what's most important to you. And so for somebody who I was sitting down with, we might talk about, you know, if the blood sugars were decently stable and we were focused again on on healthy lifestyle, because I'd love to do as much as possible to healthy lifestyle, we might look at, you know, nutrition, movement, and sleep and say, just simply, which is most important to you? Right. Right. Which, which one, where do you want to start? And, you know, if somebody has no preference and they have decent nutrition, often outcome to movement is a great place to build habits. And there are some studies which show that exercise is this thing, which is a foundational habit, meaning once you are in the habit of exercising, it's easier for you to build new habits. But honestly, Amber, I think the greatest number of questions that I get from somebody who's newly diagnosed tend to be in the nutrition realm. Hmm. Hey, I just don't understand, like, what do I eat? What's the best diet? You know, I go online and I hear keto and I hear paleo and I hear plant-based diet and gluten-free and I I just don't know anymore what I should eat. What should I do? Right. And so I would say more commonly, 
like I say, where I might advise somebody, if you have no preference, let's focus on getting you moving. Uh, I think quite often we start on that nutrition realm and just trying to, to talk about what is a healthy eating plan and how can we build a plan that's going to work for you. Yeah, I, and I think that's a that's a great tool to teach people. Nutrition is is key, and for someone who has not had to watch those things, it is overwhelming. <laughs> And one of your, I'm trying to think of which one it is. There's three steps and you talk about it. It's toolkit, metabolism, action. Sure. So I, I, would you like me to talk a little bit more about those? Yeah, well you, yeah just touch on them briefly. Yeah. So uh, and we've kind of touched on these a little bit already, but this is just a framework when I, when I think about how to think about diabetes treatment. I like to break down into this framework that has three parts. So you got it exactly right, Amber. Toolkit, metabolism, Yay. and action. Uh, so, so toolkit is simply the, the knowledge and skills that you use to manage the condition, the medications or supplements that you use to help control the blood sugar, and the technology that you use to monitor the condition. So any self-managed condition, you know, basically you need to have this system that is helps you understand what's supposed to happen, need to have a way to make that happen need to have a way to test if it's actually happening and then need to have knowledge or know what to do if that's not happening. Right. So, so all of that falls into toolkit. Metabolism, we've kind of been touching about uh, or talking about quite a bit, which is the nutrition movement sleep, right? How can you get your body to work as it was designed, right? The body has this incredible healing power. You know, I think about little kids, right? And they, they cut themselves or even break a bone. And then it seems like two weeks later, they're good as new and you would hardly know anything happened to them. As we grow up, you know, that healing process, I think gets more and more kind of off kilter so that it doesn't work quite as well. But how can we best equip the body to produce energy and be able to heal itself? How can we equip your body to metabolize blood sugar or uh, cholesterol or, or fats in an appropriate way. Mm-hmm. And that last part, action, this is really what I am most passionate about. So it's this idea that there's that gap that exists between what we know we should do and what we actually do. And so action is all about closing that gap, this system of looking at all those things that I mentioned, beliefs and identity, emotions, habits, environment. How do we actually close that gap so that what you actually do at the end of the day more closely aligns with what you intend to do? And I think that's a, it's a, it's a piece that gets left out of a lot of programs or it's not talked about necessarily, but very, very powerful uh, for people who haven't had success. If you start doing, paying attention to why you're making the choices you are, trying to understand yourself better, basically noticing what's driving your behavior, understand yourself better, then you can start to use that information to improve your chance of success. People start to see leaps and bounds of progress where they haven't had it before. So those are the three parts to that framework, Amber. Well, and when you say that you've seen um, progress or whatever, are are you basing, I'm just curious, is that based off of results or the comments back from the client or what does that look like? You know, I think it's both parts. So if we go back to that idea of what do you look like on paper, definitely we can see people who have lost weight, people who have brought their blood sugars down. But I think, you know, even more important, it's that in the body and in the head, So this comes from comments that people give, which is, I love just seeing people grow in confidence. You know, I, I've never been able to figure out why I couldn't make progress. And now, you know, now I see this, um, there's a lady, uh, Miss Karen, who's in the program right now. And she has sent me, you know, she sends me notes from time to time and I can watch over time how she's changed and how she almost views herself in some ways from this third person perspective. So it's a, it's a skill that I think is, is an advanced level skill, but it's almost like you're watching yourself in a movie in a moment. Mm-hmm. And it can happen either, you know, even in the moment when you're living it, but quite often 
it's like, you know, earlier today I was going to go for a walk and I ended up sitting on the couch and just watching a bunch of Netflix. Right? And you look back and think like, huh, I wonder why I, I wonder why I chose that. And so I can see Karen just doing that where she, she wasn't a month ago or two months ago. And she's starting to be able to do what you were talking about earlier, Amber, which is that idea of, gosh, I've got to figure out what works for myself. And so maybe one thing that this system does is it gives people confidence to be able to say, you know, I'm not going to get it right every single time, but I can look for what's working well and kind of celebrate that and keep that. And the parts that aren't working well, I can call those out and say, you know, next time I'm going to try this other thing. I'm going to do this a little bit differently. And it's like this grand experiment that's just continually running to say, yeah, what works best for me and my body and my life situation right now? Well, and I think that one of the reasons I really like that message is because it, it focuses on the individual, not the disease. Mm. Because like we've talked about a million times, you know, Mark and I have the same disease, but we manage it very differently and our bodies react to it very differently. So I think that that's one of the most valuable tools an endocrinologist or any physician can give is letting that person know that you're focusing on them as a person. Agree. Fully agree on that. Because I I do think that's why we have such frustration, Dr. Fox, among patients and people and families is because expectations are set. They're so cookie cutter that it's just not realistic. But the way you talk about dealing with an individual day in and day out and, and kind of making uh, just according to that person and talking to them like a painting, man, that is powerful. And then yeah. incremental progress over time is powerful too, because, you know, like sometimes I have to think about myself too, as I was listening to you and I, I just love your approach to math. Oh, Mark. <laughs> he's probably traveling it, it was can you, we, we you cut out for a little bit i know i can hear you can you not hear me no we couldn't hear you on that last one but that's okay this is real life podcast people there's no kidding around about that's real that. life no no i i was i was just saying that like having diabetes now for 23 years um diabetes today is different than when i was first diagnosed so your okay. diabetes is always evolving um as a person living with diabetes so i'm thankful that you keep you keep looking at people as a, uh, you keep looking as like, hey, they're an individual, not just a blanket statement of diabetes management, which I think frustrates a lot of us out here living with it every day because we do what I love you said earlier in the podcast. We do want solutions. If my blood sugar keeps spiking and doing all kinds of crazy things, I just want to know what can I do to get it down? It's got to work. So what's frustrating for us out in the field every day that live with the disease is when things go up and we don't know why, and then we're trying to figure it out, and it just doesn't work according to the book or whatever. So um, yeah. so thank you for treating that that way as people. Well, and I think, Dr. Fox, too, you are way ahead of the game, and I don't want to see competition necessarily, but you're going to hopefully set the tone for the future of treatment for people with diabetes, either type 1 or type 2, because, because there's so much value to it. And how wonderful it would be to have a doctor that sat across from you or you, you know, read the blog or saw a video clip that inspired you to do something more in that moment of darkness while you're at home. And then a bonus is to see some results whether that's on paper or just mentally. So I, I really like your well-rounded approach. And that's the reason I really wanted you to be on the show. Well, Amber, I, I thank you so much. And I, I would love to just take this opportunity to call both you and Mark out. It's so encouraging to me to be able to talk with, with both of you and to have this dialogue 
and this perspective about what it's like for you guys essentially in the trenches living with this each day. And I know through, you know, Amber, what you do with your community and your blog and what you guys are doing with uh, your consulting group or your foundation, you know, I think you guys are, are also going to set the world on fire for the diabetes community. And I think there is such power from bringing both people together and from being, you know, I, I know this is a man, um, a key message for you, Amber. I, I don't know the words exactly that you use, but bridging the gap between yeah. the healthcare establishment and the diabetes community to be able just to have this dialogue to say, you know, gosh, this is what we need. We need more of this. And whether it comes from the provider or whether it comes from community or, you know, most likely in my mind, some combination of both. And all of this, I think, goes back to that that idea of this culture and headwind that we face in our culture to try to live healthy is that if we are not coming together as a people and a culture to be able to say, you know, gosh, we, we have to do something different. This, right. this isn't working. We have to do something different. If we're not coming together as a people and trying to solve that, that question, trying to solve that, trying to lift each other up, we are, you know, we're never going to make progress. So I just, all I have to was to say, I, just, I love you both and what you guys do. I think you guys are awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Fox. Thank you. Well, yeah. I mean, I was just going to say too, I mean, I think one reason why I'm so thankful and it's special to have you on board too is because, you know, I've had to really reflect on my career in the medical device world and pharmaceutical world. And, and I think there are, to your point, Dr. Fox, a lot of physicians out there that really do care and they really do care about their patients. They're just, they're stuck in a system yeah. that makes them have to be able to make and do things in like a certain amount of time of 12 minutes or 15 minutes that a disease like diabetes just isn't that type of disease where you, you got to be able to talk and reach to the heart of people. And so, um, and I'm, I'm thankful that you are pioneering, and I do agree with Amber that you are way ahead of the game. And I do hope that there will be, you know, other patients and people when they listen to this podcast, they will encouragingly, well, they'll encourage their f- providers to see that there are people out there that are in their field like you that are trying to do things different and do it the correct way. And you're pioneering. So kudos to you on that. And that I, I do believe it's going to be uh, the way of the future. That that's how physicians are going to have to have patient retention is to be able to have actually their doctors be able to talk to their patient the way you're wanting to do it. So, I so wanna, it's really neat to see where this will go. I want to throw one thing out there, and hopefully this won't bite me in the butt, but I kind of want to encourage anyone that's listening to this podcast, contact your provider and encourage them to listen to it as well. And I, I say that not to up my numbers, but so that maybe their endo or their GP can get an idea of why that this podcast sh- struck a chord or made them think about things because maybe if the doctor's listening to it well, as well, they'll pick up some of the positive things from this and, and maybe help morph their practice into you know listening to the patient. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, it's a little hour, so I've got to, I hate to say this, but we got to wrap it up. So <laughs> Dr. Fox, is there anything you'd like to end with? You know, let me just, uh, let me say two things, Amber. So again, this is, it's very encouraging to me. I'm very energized after this conversation and interacting with you guys gives me a lot of hope for the future. 
So I would just say for those folks who are listening, you know, if you have type 2 diabetes and you want to learn more about what we do, uh, our, our website is learndiabetesmastery.com. And if you go to learndiabetesmastery.com forward slash real life diabetes, we'll have some kind of special introduction uh, for, for folks from Amber's community. So check us out there. And I'll have all those links in the show notes too. Awesome. So make it easy. Make it easy. And, but more important is, you know, this idea of that, that planting a tree. I think that there's this, this natural tendency, human nature is to procrastinate. And for when we want good health, right, to go after good health, it really is something that I would encourage people to go to go find it. Don't wait for it to come find you. And there's never mm. a better day to start doing something than right now today. So uh, I think it was that uh, Martin Luther King uh, quote that you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. So I would just encourage people to take that first step. So many good quotes. I don't know how you remember all this stuff. <laughs> I love that. I do too. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank well, you. Well, Dr. Fox, thank you so much for taking an hour out of your day and positive thoughts that your weather gets better. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, I couldn't have enjoyed it more. I thank you so much for the invitation to be here. And, you know, I hope that we continue to interact and hopefully further the effort to support the diabetes community in the future. We're going to change lives together. I feel very confident about that. So Ooh, I will there you definitely go. be in touch. <laughs> awesome. All right. Have a good day, guys. Awesome. Thank you. Y'all have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you are inspired after hearing this episode to find the best medical team for your diabetes management. Dr. Fox is one of a kind and will hopefully motivate other physicians and endocrinologists to have better patient engagement. He is truly a pioneer and I am thankful to have him on the show. Before I wrap up, I have a few last minute items for you. Number one, I am thrilled to continue building solid partnerships with people and companies who share my mission to help all people living with diabetes. If you would like to join the movement, there are plenty of ways to get involved and I've made a little list for you. Patreon subscription. Your subscription will help grow my team and allow me to put out more podcasts and content. I love meeting people. So hit me up if you're hosting a conference. Actually, when this episode comes out, I will be in San Francisco for the Diabetes Mind Innovation Summit. I can't wait to share my experience. You can co-host a real-life diabetes happy hour in your town. It's a great way to connect. I'm happy to travel to meet you. And it's fun because everybody needs a diabuddy, a diabuddy in their community. You never know how valuable that is until you find it. Get involved in the diabetes online community. There are a ton of fellow bloggers and diabetes characters on Instagram who share their story and it may connect with you better than mine. I want to just raise the roof with all things diabetes and make sure that you find who you connect with. And you know, you should check out, there's a solid list on the recent Myabetic Award nominees list. So check out their website. Advertise. If you feel your brand could complement our mission, please send an email to Penelope at diabetesdailygrind.com. She takes care of all the details when it comes to that and marketing. She's, she's great. You can leave an iTunes review. I love iTunes reviews. They make me so happy. And continue to love, like, and share on social media. And don't forget, you can always send me feedback, ideas, comments, or complaints. I can be reached via email or on social media. Plenty of ways to get a hold of me. Number two, 
I want to share just a few more things about our advertiser, Inpin by Companion Medical. There's so much information about this company and what they're doing, so I'm trying to narrow it down. So the Inpin app automatically records insulin doses and allows you to easily view insulin, glucose, and carbs over a 90-day period. It also keeps track of active insulin, calculates mealtime and correction doses, and is compatible with two different types of insulin cartridges. To learn more, check out companionmedical.com or click on the link in the show notes. Number three, the Real Life Diabetes Consulting Group was created to help bridge the communication and awareness gap between the patient and medical community. I think that this episode in particular is a true testament as to what we are trying to do and how we're doing it. The team and the service we provide will soon be highlighted on our website, so please stay tuned. If you would like to learn more in the interim, please feel free to contact me at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. As I wrap things up, I hope that you have a wonderful National Diabetes Awareness Month. You know, try celebrating we are a community. And if you're listening to this episode, you obviously have found an outlet. And I hope that you continue to find more. We're great people, people living with diabetes. (laughs) So uh, that's a wrap, everybody. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. (laughs) 